For there to be winners in football, there must inevitably be losers. Manchester United and Arsenal have had to take a few punches in recent years, watching on in forlorn fashion, while the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea claimed Champions League glory. Now it's the turn of the Reds and the Blues to have their faces pressed up against the glass while the title race happens elsewhere. This Saturday, Liverpool face Chelsea in a battle of underachievers. A defeat for either would seriously deepen the gloom. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No underachievers on this programme. My top tipping team has been in good form recently, not least Mark O'Hare. Mark, Liverpool trying to rebuild their team while still staying competitive. Chelsea, it seems, are trying to rebuild the entire club. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the Premier League table, we could be talking about you know this match being Brentford versus Brighton because both of those two teams actually start the weekend above Liverpool and Chelsea, who are each 10 points adrift of the top four. So... Talking about underachievers, you know, you'd probably be a bit harsher than that, actually, and say they're completely, you know, they've gone completely off course this year. Just 16 Premier League wins between them, only 10 clean sheets in 37 matches. Uh, I know injuries have played a part for both clubs, but still, we've got very, very high expectations. I actually backed Liverpool to win the league this season, which was probably one of my worst punts of the anti-post portfolio, but there we go. Um, Understandable, yeah. though, right? Because they have been able to maintain a level that other teams simply haven't. They've been the only ones to consistently live with Manchester City. Yeah, 100%. And I, I still think City's pre-season price was, was a little bit too short and I was quite keen to attack them. Just obviously chose the, the wrong side. But I don't think anyone saw Arsenal as 50-1 as to one shots kind of leading the league as they do. But um, on Liverpool, yeah, you know, you talk about them sort of trying to re-energise what they're doing on the field. I was quite surprised they made a move for Cody Gakpo when that midfield kind of urgently requires... Um, an upgrade really. Um, I think it's easier to find a system to suit your team when you've only got one or two attacking players available to you but I think it's much more difficult to find a winning system when you know the midfield balances off and none of your players are either in form or in good physical condition so I think that's a harder job to get right and, and clearly defensively too there's been issues with Liverpool this season um, whereas I think actually going forward there's probably a lot to be positive about. Jake will tell you about the underlying numbers, the expected goals figures that Liverpool continue to churn out on a weekly basis, it seems. They're as good as anyone in this division, but uh, the the issue is basically putting the ball in the back of the net and also keeping it out at the opposite end. But uh, I think Darwin Nunes is due back this weekend, which will be a big plus. Um, still question marks over that midfield, obviously, but... Um, kind of flip it around and look at Chelsea and there's not a huge amount to be positive there either. Um, they've been sort of hovering around as a, as a mid-table outfit during, if you look at their, their sort of performance data metrics, expected goals, expected points, that's across the whole campaign, whether it's Graham Potter's reign, um, 8, 12, 16 matches, if you look at the sort of uh, form table for that sort of thing. Um, and also, you know, just injuries. I know they've hit Liverpool hard, but going to Anfield this weekend, they're going to be about Rhys James, Ben Chilwell, 
Kante, Sterling, Fafana. There's basically five starters from your side missing already. João Felix, of course, suspended after what was a, a brilliant start to his Chelsea career and then the red card. No Denis Zakaria, no Pulisic, Loftus-Cheek, Brojar. You know, they're missing a lot, a lot of players. And away from home, Chelsea have been really, yeah, I was going to say bang average. They've been worse than that for a club of their stature. Just 11 points from 10 away games. They've lost five times on the road already. Um uh, they scored nine goals in ten away games. Uh, in eight of those matches, they've scored either zero or one goal. And that's despite not yet playing Arsenal, City, United, Spurs or Liverpool away from home. So they're already winless in eight at top half teams, uh, scoring zero or one goal in seven of those fixtures as well. It's really quite concerning, I think, from a Chelsea perspective. But um, at the same point, you kind of flip it around and look at Liverpool and go, can I really back them at odds on quotes? I personally can't. So I'd be interested to hear what, what the guys think. So, Jake, what do you reckon? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think the, the 1x2 just needs to be left alone in this game. There's too many question marks around both teams. Um, you mentioned it there, the underlying numbers. I actually did a video earlier in the week looking at Liverpool in more detail. Just how bad things are, really. Um, you know, the, the attack is league-leading, as you mentioned. Um, but defensively, they've conceded 1.71 expected goals against per game, which is the most ever by a Jurgen Klopp-led Liverpool team. Um, and interestingly, at least one relegated team has been uh, has gone down from the Premier League with a defensive progress actually better than that. So ultimately, their attack is you know it's title contending, um, but the defence is relegation worthy, um, and that that means I just, just can't get on board with them um, at all at this kind of price. I know Chelsea, there's a, there, you know there's a lot not to like about them right now. They are showing a few signs of life though, particularly in, in attack. Um, Two point seven four xG at Fulham. 2.06 last time out against Crystal Palace, so two of the better attacking performances of the Potter era. Um, they obviously introduce uh, Mudrick to, to the Premier League, we, we expect, in this game as well. be interesting to see what he's like, what he's capable of. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, there's a few decent displays there. They still look vulnerable at the back. I quite like the look of goals in this. Um, you know, Over two and a half at 1.77. It may seem a little bit short, but this is a Liverpool team who particularly at Anfield, have no problems creating whatsoever. 2.6 expected goals for per game is what they've averaged so far this season. But, you know, as I mentioned, defensively, they are just all over the place. And, um, you know, you set the scene well there, Mark, in the sense that the, these two teams are ninth and 10th. Like, this is kind of a must-win game for Pair if they want to get into the European contention. You know, if, if this ends in a, like a cagey draw, that does no team any favours whatsoever. Um, you know, so I, I think that this is a kind of a, a must-win, a gotta-have-it game for for both Liverpool and Chelsea. So I'm, I'm happy to take the overs. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd be inter interested to hear what Emmett's got to say from a, a trading perspective and how how the kind of how the the ratings of both teams have just absolutely crashed. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's really interesting. Like we kind of. C coming into the year, as as Mark was alluding to, like uh, Liverpool would have been clearly ahead of the kind of the the chasing pack, and it's now flipped to where like if if my, as in like even even a month ago, it's hard to imagine Liverpool being as as uh, as big as as close to two point on the exchange as they are for a home game against Chelsea. I think maybe a, a couple of months ago, you might have seen them even one seventy two, one sixty six. I think the yeah the I think. Their, their rating and their kind of performance level has dropped like a stone. If you had, if you said to me before the season, ask for a price of Liverpool to have conceded more expected goals than Southampton at this point of the season, I would give you hundred to one. And that's and that's and and, 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 and that's and, and that's where we are right now. I think it's yeah, like from a match betting point of view, it's it, it is very very difficult. I am 
but like as kind of Jake was saying, we ha- Chelsea have shown a few signs of life lately. They were actually very good against Fulham up up until the Felix red card, and didn't even didn't play that badly after it. It was just kind of and I, I actually rate Fulham reasonably highly as kind of a solid solid mid table team. They played reasonably well, reasonably well in their kind of home home win at Palace, and just there is scope for improvement with Michaela Mudrick coming into the team, like. As has been kind of well documented, he doesn't have a big sample size of kind of goal scoring or kind of a, a big track record of success, and so there is there is a, there is a risk in in that sense. But his kind of assists and kind of dribbling numbers are both like of the kind of ninety five plus percentiles statistically. So he he would be regarded as one of the best one of the best in his position in world football. At that, obviously, the caveat said that he's playing the Ukrainian league, so it's a lower level of competition. But that those are his strengths. So in terms of like. I was I, I find it hard to call in terms of the match betting. So if you're just if you're looking for a bet builder selection for the game, I think Mudrick's assist ability I think might help Kai Havertz here. I think he's he's scored a couple of goals since the break and playing that lone striker role I think against as as has been outlined how bad Liverpool's defence are. It's hard to see Havertz not getting chances and and Mudrick there with Mudrick in there there is scope that he there, there might be but he he might be getting more chances than usual and there might be a bit of value in that three to one. To score any time price so I think for a bet builder we probably have over two and a half from Jake and uh, and uh, Kai Harvest score for me so we'll see does Mark maybe have a third third selection yeah well I think you guys have probably got stronger views on this match than I personally have it was one I was kind of happy to, to pass up but in terms of a bet builder you guys have gone for, for sort of reasonably priced options there so I'll chuck in sort of two shorties if you like just to boost the price up which is Darwin Nunes to have three or more shots and Darwin Nunes to commit at least one foul. Um, I just love his approach to the game. It's just complete chaos. He's he's a whirlwind of action whenever he's on the field and he's had 13 Premier League appearances. He's had at least three shots in 12 of those despite only, actually only starting 10 times. So he's had 55 shots so far in the Premier League from 871 minutes. That's averaging out as a shot every 16 minutes, which is just mental stuff, really. But um, he's also committed at least one foul in nine of those 10 starts, too. And if he does come back into the team, which I'm hopefully will be, uh, it didn't sound like the injury was too serious and, and Klopp was potentially sort of waiting to unleash him in this match, then uh, I do believe he'll be a, a bit of a force, really, up against that Chelsea backline, who personally I haven't been too impressed by in recent weeks. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, so we're probably looking around kind of. 13 to 2, 7 to 1 for that, uh, that bell, bet builder. So, should give customers a few options, a few options for the game. Um, I think all, all three of us have opinion on, uh, on, on, on the Leicester v Brighton game. So, I think we'll, we'll, we'll start with Jake here. Yeah, I mean, they're just a ball of fun, aren't they, at the minute, Brighton? Um, kind of what we'd expect to see from a, a Roberto de Zerbi side. Yeah, they're, they're, they're what we call poor in, in the analytical industry. Um, they are flying in terms of creating chances, in con- converting the chances. They've scored multiple goals in six of the last seven league games, um, including the last three away from home. So, yeah, I, I really like the look of Brighton to score over one and a half goals in this, 11 to 10. Um, you know, the, Brighton to win the game is, is a similar kind of price, but I just think there's a bit of extra security by taking the, them to just score twice because... We know that with that attack-minded approach, they do leave themselves exposed at the back, which obviously could potentially see them um, drop, a, concede a few goals and, and ultimately end the game in a draw. So taking the Brighton score twice, um, particularly away at Leicester. I mean, Leicester, they've been so bad since the restart. They've lost all four league games. They've shipped an average of over two expected goals against per game. They've conceded multiple goals in three of the four. Um, yeah, they've, they've turned back to the, the early season Leicester, um, who just conceded for fun. 
I think it was the first nine, they conceded 1.8 expected goals against per game, conceded multiple times in seven of those. Um, then they went for a run of seven, eight games where they actually looked like a decent defensive unit. And then the World Cup break came and they just reverted back. So I'm expecting it to be a really high scoring game. I don't know if Leicester will contribute too much, but I think Brighton, the way in which they're playing right now, can, can score at least twice. Um, and you know, I'm guessing you guys have probably got um, goal-led angles as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll go because I just there's so many bets in this game which I did like, and it was quite hard to sort of pin down exactly one. And one of them would have been Brighton to score over one and a half goals uh, alongside you, Jake. But also, I think the over two and a half goals represents a bit of value here. It's one point nine two on the exchange, which is which is a big price. You know, we keep talking about Brighton and Deserby week in, week out because we've been here and we've seen it before with Sassuolo, and the market's not really adjusting to the fact that Brighton's games have been held to skelter really. And a lot of it is all Brighton's good work going forward. And this is a great opportunity for them to build on what they've achieved recently with that destruction of Liverpool last week, which was, you know, it reminded me of actually a, a Liverpool team in, in their pomp under Jurgen Klopp, the way they pressed and the overlaps, the fluidity of the forward play, the finishing as well, which has been so absent in Brighton's game in previous seasons. And they're doing it all without, without Trossard as well, which is, you know, it's really quite special. They're, they're turning into be my, my favourite Premier League team right now by, by quite some distance too. And you flip it around and Look at Leicester. Um, you know, Rogers admitting after the defeat last week that they are in a relegation battle. Um, they offered very little, very little resilience as well. They are the only club in the Premier League not to take a single point after conceding the first goal. Um, and their forward line has looked a little bit blunt, but um, it looks like James Madison might be touch and go for this game, which would be a, a big bonus. But even still, they've taken one point against the top half this season. They've lost nine of those 10 games. Uh, they've lost four in the spin since the restart as well. And, you know, I keep sort of thinking back to what we saw in the reverse game when Brighton absolutely destroyed Leicester 5-2 at the Amex. Um, wouldn't be too shocked if we saw something similar, actually, on Saturday. And this is a Brighton team averaging 1.94 goals in the Premier League this season, their best return at this stage of a season across any league since 1965, not just the Premier League, which is a hell of a statistic, really. And um, I, I guess the issue for being pro-Brighton, if you are going to back them to, to win the game, is, is just defensively they do give you opportunities, again, as Deserby teams tend to do. Uh, last week was just their second clean sheet under his reign, just their fifth shutout of the season. So, um, you know, Madison coming back into that Leicester team who do need a response after, after a Derby defeat. Potentially there's recipe for goals, you know, Brighton's last eight have averaged 4.38 goals on their travels. Every single game have featured at least two goals. Seven of nine have gone over. They've kept one away clean sheet, but they've scored twice or more in six of those. Um, so, you know, I expect Leicester, I know they've not been shooting the lights out at the KP this season, but uh, you've just got to have some sort of response, surely. And there is enough attacking talent in that team, whether it's from set pieces, dead ball situations or transitions to, to hurt this Brighton team if they do get an opportunity. So I'm not saying it's going to be 5-2 again, but it wouldn't be a, a huge shock if we did see a 3-4-5-6 goal game. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd echo, echo, echo everything the lads have said. Just in terms of kind of James Madison's importance to Leicester, there's a bit of kind of noise in these statistics because it's a relatively small sample size, but still I think it's worth mentioning. Leicester with Madison, the Premier League this season, the 13 games played, 14, 14, they've got 14 points and they've scored 22 goals in those matches. So that's 1.69 goals a game and 1.07 points a game. Obviously not great kind of relegation form, but at least they've kind of a decent attack without in the six games Madison hasn't played they've only they've only got point they've only picked up three points so it's 0.5 points per game they've only scored four goals so 0.66 goals per game so I think 
even if even if even if you said that there's some some kind of flaws in those statistics with the sample size, I think we can you can clearly see how important Madison is is this Leicester team. And if you are backing Brighton, like I, I would re I would recommend Brighton to score over one and a half goals, regardless regardless whether Madison plays for all the reasons that the lads have outlined. But in terms of looking at the really strong pro Brighton markets, if Madison doesn't play, I would definitely look at Brighton over two and a half goals, seven to two, over over three and a half at seventeen to two. As Marcus said, I, I think. There's a, a fairly strong, like it's it's a very conceivable scenario where Brighton press Leicester off the park and 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 it's kind of a and it's and it's an absolute and it's an absolute hammering and it potentially potentially wouldn't be shocked if it's kind of Rogers last last game in charge if, if it's if if because because I think Brighton the ton of team when they get as we saw against Everton as we saw as we saw against Leicester at the Amex when Brighton get 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 on a roll they're a very hard team to stop um just to, as well just a word on the kind of the the Serbi hire was something that I was thinking about mentioning this week on Twitter when you see West Ham. Um, kind of looking at they're they're looking at like Nuno Nuno Espirito Santo and Rafa Benitez to replace David Moyes. They're looking at these kind of like firefighter types who know the league, and they're, they're looking at. Whereas I think Brighton are looking at who's one of the best young coaches in Europe who fits our style of play. That's Roberto de Serbi, and we'll hire him. I think there's just like the difference in the kind of the the, the kind of decision making process at the very top of brighton i think is is gives them a huge edge in the rest of the premier league even in 2023 with all the statistics and analytics available i think brighton and and brentford are also kind of running a similar way have a big edge in the competition so on brighton do you, do you think they're a bet to finish in the top 6 again 2.8 on the exchange i wouldn't i wouldn't put you off there my only i guess my only fear is just that is this the potential maybe improvement from Chelsea after the kind of after the investment made, and will it, it, it'd be interesting to see if because I think I think it looks like Trossard's probably going to go, and just with all the kind of the profit bright they've made this season on transfers, would would they consider investing? Um, so it's 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 incredible what they're doing. Given you would have said that probably Trossard was their probably close to their best player in the first half of the season. He's sidelined and they're still killing teams the attack. Um it's kind of not mentioned that much, but Enoch Enoch Mwape, who was like, was a really, really good young midfielder, and him having to him having to having to retire in really unfortunate circumstances was was kind of a big loss to them. So I think the I think what what they're doing with the players at their disposal is incredible, and if they even bolstered the squad, yeah, you couldn't you, you you couldn't rule anything out. Now I imagine none of you thought this, but you might have thought, "Where's Kev? Where's he gone? What's happened? Why have these reprobates taken over the show?" Well. I was having my new satellite box uh, fitted. That's not a euphemism. And uh, yes, uh, that's been done now. Wonderfully done. Uh, so thank you to the engineer for that. And I'm back. Wonderful. And I'm back to tell you that you get a £5 free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Arsenal Manchester United this weekend. Uh, we're going to be bringing you a full preview of that on our Sunday show. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus cgambleaware.org. Right, I'm going to have to get control of this show now. Uh, it's El Moisico on Saturday. David Moyes West Ham faces Old Club Everton. Both teams in the relegation zone, both of them desperate for victory. Mark West Ham, the 1.8 two favourites here. It does seem like the market believes that even though both teams' results have been awful, West Ham's performances in general have been the better ones. 
Yeah, they have. They've been markedly better, actually. And um, it's weird that they are in the relegation zone because they started the season as, as basically second favourites behind Newcastle to be the best of the rest outside of the big six. Uh, and their performances haven't warranted them being in the bottom three. Expected points has them you know, not far off Manchester United, would you believe, in, in the top eight. And it's a very similar story if you look at the expected goals figures, too. And you know, it might sound out of madness considering they've only won four Premier League games and they're the joint second lowest goal scorers in the division with 15. But West Ham have only lost the XG count in seven of 19 games uh, and only five clubs have won uh, the XG count more often than West Ham's tally, tally of 10 as well. So they are the biggest underachievers according to the underlying metrics and they also are the biggest underachievers according to the market. Um, if you averaged out expected points based on a per game basis on the odds, um, West Ham should have 14 points more on the board than what they actually have you know, in terms of expectations. So um, you could include the Wolves game last week where, where West Ham were, were pretty decent for the most part but ended up losing it and, and David Moyes looked very resigned to the fact that they just haven't been able to get the results that their, their displays have often warranted. But you compare and contrast it with Everton, who have just been rank full stop, really, um, a broken club, really, it seems. And, you know, the anger towards the board is, is understandable because of some of the decisions. Um, but uh, the performances on the field have been awful. Um, the direction of the club is, it's, you know, well, it hasn't been, been a direction, has there? They re replaced Rafa with Lampard when Everton was 16th and four points above the bottom three. Um, Lampard was appointed on the 31st of January, so we're coming up to almost a full year in charge. He's had 37 games in the Premier League. Everton have lost 20 of those. They've averaged 0.95 points per game, 0.92 goals per game. He has the worst loss percentage of any permanent manager in Everton's history. Uh, this season, it's 15 points from 19 games and only 15 goals. And it's not Jake like smiling away in the background there. He's <laughs> usually stinched as laying into Lampard. I'm loving this. Oh, I'm, I'm always happy to stick the boot into him. But um, yeah, you know, it's... He's been given funds as well. It's not like Everton have been cash-strapped. He's been able to bring players in to, to improve the squad, but it's, it's just not happening right now. And uh, the decision, you know, go back to the, the decision to get rid of Rafa and replace him with Lampard just seems like the the most ridiculous one in, in many ridiculous decisions behind the Everton Um but Everton Football Club recently. So, um, you know, whereas West Ham have been underperforming, Everton have been basically as bad as the results have said. You know, I've got them bottom or bottom two alongside Bournemouth in almost every available metric. Uh, away from home, they've been dreadful for not just this season, but for a long period of time now. It's three away wins in 28 going back to the start of last season. So you can kind of see why West Ham are odds on here. But um, I'm not too keen on backing either team, uh, particularly the Hammers at odds on quotes. I'd much rather sort of take the... Theory that a um, bit of a six-pointer, El Sacchio, as we were sort of talking about it off air, um, will result in quite a tight, competitive, um, close contest. And I think under two and a half goals at 1.84 does appeal to me. It's one in 25 of their combined 38 Premier League matches. If you narrow that down to home and away fixtures, it's one in 13 of 18 respective matches involving these two teams as well. And I just think there's an element, particularly in the managers in case, because of what could be around the corner of just must not lose this match. Their recent form is, is both rank. It could be edgy. It could be nervous. The atmosphere from both supporters could be pretty ugly, uh, depending, you know, depending on how things go as well. So, um, yeah, quite happy to sort of oppose goals in this game. And I think the, the underlying metrics would support that too. But also, uh, there's an angle which would appeal to me too, which is um, it's around about 1.8 on the market to back under one first half goal, which looks really big to me. So no side has scored fewer first half goals in the Premier League than both Everton and West Ham this season. They've both managed just six goals before half time across the whole season, which is 
beyond dismal uh, and backing under one that's really one, pathetic isn't it <laughs> it is really i mean it's it's absolutely appalling but backing under one first half goal means if there's exactly one goal we get a money back it's a push uh, but if there's zero goals before half time it's a it's a payout at 1.8 and if there's three or more the bet loses so you've got quite a lot on your side it's quite hard to sort of foresee three goals in the first half in this match so sort of two sort of negative goal-based bets there for you Jake, I looked at the Infogoal figures and it was interesting because they suggested that Everton very much deserved to be where they are. West Ham, not so much. Yeah, the um, the model and the kind of performances we've seen from West Ham, particularly at the start of the season, um, suggest that they should have picked up more points than they did. But since, I'd probably say that you know they're on a winless run of seven matches, they've lost the XG battle in all seven. So they have started to deteriorate um, past the kind of level we saw at the start of the season. Um, and the main issue they've had is just creating chances. They've had such a problem carving out opportunities. Um, across that seven-game winless run, they've actually generated just 0.8 non-penalty expected goals for per game. So one of the worst in the league in that category. Um, fortunately for them, the reason why they've managed to hang around in games and you know only lose by kind of small margins is the fact that the defence has been okay. It's been kind of mid-table. Uh, 1.35 non-penalty expected goals against per game. So, um, you know, th- there is there is a platform there for West Ham to, to kick on and get the steer clear of trouble because the defence is, is like a you know mid-table to lower top half kind of level. They just need to start creating more chances. And I don't know if that's tactical, if Moyes is trying to just put the handbrake on and try to make them more difficult to beat, um, or or if they you know the players are spent if they're just tired because they've had you know they had a really long campaign last season in the, uh, in the Europa League and, and fighting to finish in seventh again and this season they started the campaign early um, in the Conference League and all that kind of thing that, that you know extra games on the legs <coughs> it could be something as simple as that and that they you know they're freshening up the squad um, they might need to do a little bit more of that um, but yeah I've not seen enough from them recently anyway to think that I can back them at this kind of price, even that they are playing Everton. Um, they, I would, I, you know, I think that they will win, but I don't think they're a price um, that's you know suitable to be backed in this market. Uh, and yeah, I'm taking a, a, an anti-goals bet as well. I think the unders, under two and a half at 1.81 on the exchange is, is a cracking bet. I really do. Um, you know, you've got Everton in town who are struggling as badly in attacking areas as West Ham. They, they themselves are just one, one expected goal uh, per game across the last seven is what they're averaging. And the reason why they're lower in the table is because the defence is awful. Um, and all that talk pre-season about the signings that Tarkovsky and Cody and the fact that they were going to revolutionise the back line, it, it's not going to happen. It's the system that's broke. You know, they're, they're decent enough defenders, but um, the system's just not good enough and doesn't protect them well enough. And it keeps them easily exposed. So, um, yeah, they Everton will concede chances here. That's we know that for a fact. It's just they do that every time, every, everywhere they go. The question is, can West Ham take advantage? Because they are um, the, the team with the worst differential between the goals scored and the expected goals created. So they are the least clinical. Uh, you could say the least clinical or the most unfortunate. I think when you when you get to a point where you're around eleven or twelve goals worse off than your expected goal tally, it starts to become a case of right. Well, you know, there's a bit more than luck involved here. Um, so, you know, that, that that for me is the question mark. It's just can West Ham take the chances that they get? Um, I don't think they'll get many, but I think they will get some. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I think it's a game that neither team will want to lose as opposed to one that neither, that, that neither team can't afford not to win. 
Um, and yeah, you know, the loser is going to be probably going to be sacked, aren't they? So I could easily see this being like a nil-nil draw, shake hands, live on for another week. Well, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Let's broaden it out to the continent. The Serie A leaders, Napoli, thrashed Juventus 5-1 last weekend. They visit a Salernitana side. They lost 8-2 last weekend. They sacked their coach, Davide Nicola. And it looks as though they're going to rehire him. Uh, Emmett, this looks like a bit of a mismatch, to be fair. Absolutely, yeah, isn't it? That's really classic Serie A behaviour, kind of yeah. hiring and rehiring, hiring a manager <laughs> in the same season. Um, they just in the same week, no less. In the same week, even yeah, exactly. Just on on that, but the, the, the bet here, I think, is a fairly obvious one. That be your two to seven to win the match, but they're as big as seventeen to ten to win, and both teams to score. Napoli have have sixty um, percent of their wins in Serie A this year. Have. Have have come with conceding, and obviously Salernitana. It is it is a mismatch, but Salernitana have a decent kind of mid table level attack, so I think they can do enough to kind of find the net in a kind of a three or four one kind of comfortable Napoli win. Just on Napoli, if you're not a regular Serie A watcher and you, you just you, you haven't seen much of this guy, I would seek it's worth your time. If, if Victor Osimhen is on TV, I would I, I, I would try and watch him. I think this guy's his peak level. I would say is is the best centre forward in the world. It, is better than Erling Haaland. What he does in terms of his mobility, his pressing, his movement, he's a nightmare for centre-halves to play. He's perpetual per- perpetual motion and he just, he's always alive. He's always so bright. His kind of checkered injury history is the only thing I think that might stop clubs from kind of really breaking the bank, but I don't think it will. I think this guy is, this guy is incredible talent. I'm really looking forward to watching him in the, in, in, in the Champions League later in the season. Mark O'Hare's eyebrows nearly shot off his face there when you said that Ossiemen uh, could be even better than Erling Haaland, but certainly he is performing superbly at the moment. Let's take it back to League One for a West Country derby between Plymouth and Cheltenham. Mark, I was at Ipswich against Plymouth last week. Uh, it's one of the very few times I've seen horizontal rain. It was really quite extraordinary. I did, though, think that Plymouth looked like a very good side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a, a great point earned uh, at Ipswich, uh, big spending Ipswich, who if you go by the underlying metrics, the expected goals figures and expected points should be absolutely walking League One. They've absolutely dominated the division, but as we know in football, that doesn't always translate into points on the board. And, and that's what Plymouth have done this season, is get points on the board, win matches, pick up points uh, when they've been up against it. And it's you know back-to-back points away at Ipswich and Bolton, two of their top six rivals, which uh, is, you know, deserve to be massively commended, particularly the way in which they've done it. Equalising very late on against Ipswich last weekend in, in the top of the table clash. It just maintains their lead at the top of League One. But uh, back in Devon this weekend for the first game in a couple of weeks. And Plymouth are basically the best home team in England in the top four tiers by a distance. Their record at home park is absolutely phenomenal. It's 12 wins from 13 so far this season, just the one defeat. And that's despite, you know, you look at that game, look at that record and think they've probably been playing a lot of dross. They haven't. They've already played seven of their fellow top 10 teams at home already this season, and they've won almost all of those matches. So um, I really like them again this weekend. They're averaging 1.92 goals per game at home. They've conceded just nine goals in 13 home fixtures, which is the second best defence in the division at home. As I say, they went to Ipswich, Ipswich last weekend, took a point. They've beaten Ipswich at home already. Um, they, you know, 
went to Bolton, picked up a point. They beat Bolton at home. They've lost just once since August. Um, just fancy them to get the job done quite comfortably against a Cheltenham team who uh, were beaten by Plymouth at home 1-0 on Boxing Day. That started a run of five defeats from six, which includes a home reverse to Derby last weekend. Derby also being in the top six as well. So... The Robins have lost seven of 13 away days already. They've scored just eight goals, which is the second lowest tally in the division. They're meeting the best home team, the second best home defence. They are the second worst away goal, goal scorers. It feels quite straightforward to suggest that Plymouth should win this game. They really should. They're at 1.6 on the exchange. You can back them minus three quarters on the Asian handicap around about 1.76, which makes a whole lot of appeal. You get a half stakes win if Plymouth win the match by exactly one goal and a full stakes win if Plymouth win this match by two goals or more. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that Maya Jammer seriously considered turning down the Love Island presenter's gig because she might not be able to tune in, only for the producers to frantically reassure her that you can still get the pod in South Africa. How this works is that the three guys come up with a selection each, and delightful traders like Emmett and company wrap them up in a boosted treble. We've nailed two of the last three at Big prices so uh, worth listening to the guys in the next few minutes jake let's start with you and going back to the days of uh, you know old zoom and skype calls so uh, what's with the tradition when you're muted jake you're muted come on thank you for uh filling there yeah um <laughs> I, you could probably guess what i was saying you, know, you could have some kind of psychodrama like about you going first and you didn't want to take a bet away from anybody else. Something no, like no, there's the, the, none of that this week because I get to go first. So um, I'm going to take the overs in Fulham Spurs on Monday night. I think um, it's got all the makings of a, a really entertaining clash. Fulham, in general, are one of the most entertaining teams, particularly when they play at home. So, um, yeah, the way Spurs have been defending, I do like the look of the overs. What an extraordinary show this has been. The presenter disappeared for half of it, and then we've got people uh, talking while they're muted. Uh, Mark, bring some sanity to the show. Um, I'll be quite boring and just select the the bet I've just put up, which is Plymouth to win against Cheltenham in League One. Um, should be nice in a, in a treble. And Emmett, take us home. Yeah, I'll give a tease for the for for, for all the cool kids who listen to the Sunday podcast. Yes, I, 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 I've, I've uh, made my strongest fancy uh, this week is Feyenoord to beat Ajax in the Eredivisie, which I will I'll explain the reasoning later for. So that'll be the third selection. That's around thirteen to eight as well. So it's a decent decent price selection for the treble. Exciting stuff for all those cool kids who do indeed listen to the Sunday show. That's all we have time for on this frankly weird edition of Football Only Bear. So please do remember to gamble respect. Responsibly, as we said, we've got a Sunday show coming up as well. We'll be looking at Arsenal against Manchester United. Plenty of other tips besides, including that grudge match in the Netherlands between Feyenoord and Ajax. Make sure you check out NFL Only Better as well. The playoffs continuing this weekend. From Jake, from Emmett, from Mark and from me some of the time. It's goodbye for now.